Welcome to TCC Alive, a podcast of Tulare Community Church. Hello, fellow sojourners, and welcome back to another edition of Appropriating the Culture and to another round of Hot Topics. Hot Topic. Our hot topic this week hot topic. is black supremacy. Yeah, fun. I'm Pastor Shane, and I'll be your Christ supremacist today as we appropriate some culture. So recently I was in my house being white when I saw an advertisement for a Showtime docuseries called Everything's Gonna Be All White. And being a middle-aged father, I'm biologically obliged to enjoy puns, which I did, but the docuseries, eh, not so much. Check out the trailer. I think what annoys me most about white people is when they pretend like they're the victim. <laughs> What's also annoying is when they, you know, when they kill us. What is fragile about whiteness when everything has been constructed around it? Every part of who I am has been distorted or criminalized. It's really just a bunch of white lies. We're <laughs> storming the Capitol! You're not patriots, you're ridiculous. One of the definitions of American whiteness is ignorance. White people, we are not your problem. You are. Should white people today feel any responsibility for slavery? <laughs> Hell yeah. Trailers are usually meant to highlight the best moments. The most striking statement was, one of the definitions of American whiteness is ignorance. Yeah, it's probably because of the shape of our skull, right? But this hostility toward white people, whether it's in the condescending form like dear white people, or just the blatant and open racism, it seems to be increasing. It's in our universities. Here's UC Berkeley Zeus Leonardo giving a rather mind-opening lecture on whiteness. They're, you know, they're, they're really challenging the Reconstructionists by this uh, passage. Right? They're asking, is what you're saying merely a discursive strategy because we don't find any examples of positive iterations of whiteness? Now, you may ask yourself, wait a minute, there are abolitionists who are whites, there are people today, there are people in the civil rights movement who are whites. Now, I suppose the way they're making sense of it is that when whites go against racial oppression, they are undoing whiteness and arguably themselves. So not all decisions that whites make, going back to my original point earlier, not all decisions that whites make are within the whiteness as an ideology framework. Right? But when whites make their decisions, and people of color make their decisions, out of whiteness, the results are predictable. We have enslavement, genocide, discrimination, labor, um, market discrimination, segregation. These are all the examples of whiteness that we know as suggested by Ignatia. And there is no example to, to the contrary. But when whites do make their decisions out of otherness, that's different to them. That's not just whiteness. That's concrete white people making concrete decisions. And those decisions aren't necessarily guided, again, by an ideology of whiteness. That's, I think, very important to point out. So that whiteness may be false and oppressive, but there's a space here where we can say that white people are not just false and oppressive. And they can make certain decisions that are guided by something else. So 
that's a that's a very good question to ask reconstructionism is what are the examples other than it would be nice you know for whites to be anti-racist it would be nice to uh, re-articulate whiteness they're asking show us some examples of where whiteness has been a positive force not white people so I think what we can tease out of this is an overt attempt to theorize whiteness and white people that I think is helpful to disaggregate them, right? And so that's why I'm coming up with this recent understanding that to abolish whiteness is to abolish white people. And that's very uncomfortable, perhaps, but it asks about our definitions of what race is and what racial justice might mean, okay? Look, he's not trying to abolish white persons or white bodies, which is very generous of him. He's just trying to abolish whiteness, and whiteness is an ideology of pure evil, which is why black people can still be the face of white supremacy. Now, white people can do good, but only when they in some sense forsake their whiteness. It's basically the concept of total depravity, except it doesn't apply to all people, it only applies to white people. And the answer is not God's grace, but to othering. But at least he thinks white persons can still live, because apparently that's an ethical debate. He made the assertion that white people should commit suicide as an ethical act. And here's a, a quote from him directly. The reality in South Africa today is that most white people spend their whole lives only engaging black South Africans in subservient positions. My question is then how can a person not be racist if that's the way they live their lives? The only way then for white people to become part of Africa is not to exist as white people anymore. If the goal is to dismantle white supremacy and white supremacy is white culture, then the goal has to be has to be to dismantle white culture and ultimately white people themselves. The total integration into Africa by white people will also automatically then mean the death of white people as white as a concept would not exist anymore. So here's the kind of crazy gambit um, of this talk. I want to suggest that psychoanalytically we could even make the argument that there was something ethical in Delport's statements. Now, I suppose, you know, parenthetically, we could say that Delport's kind of a, a young, fired-up academic, and maybe, you know, there's a little bit uh, too much of a dramatization in some of his, his comments, but nevertheless, I want to make the argument that there is some kind of ethical dimension to his, his provocations. Yes, there's an ethical dimension to Delport's views. It's called evil. Now, these highly sophisticated deconstructions of whiteness are trickling down to the student level. In Arizona University, two white students were verbally accosted for being in the multicultural space and having a Police Lives Matter sticker. This is the violence that ASU does, and this is the type of people that they protect, okay? This white man thinks he can take up our space, and this is why we need a multicultural space, because they think they can get away with this shit. I'm gonna sit here the whole time and you can find somebody to kick that, me out. That's we, cool. We, we're we not will. kicking you out. We're asking you to leave if you have any consideration for people of color and are marginalized. So clearly don't. Room that I can go? Yeah, the whole rest of the campus, the whole, the second floor, the first floor, the whole MU, every single part of the campus centers you. This is the only space that you're not centered and you're still trying to center yourself, which is peak white cis male bullshit. A student leader at Ohio State made the open proclamation that white people are inferior. You know, and, and white supremacy is not something that you learn about um, by any means. And it's a relatively new term, and it's a term that is heavily debated um, because a lot of people don't like calling white people superior. Um, and I completely understand with that. Um, but there is no such thing as white inferiority.
there will be a protest if somebody said that on this campus, like literally, right? People are inferior. And I'm gonna say that right now because this is my space to say that, but like, I do believe that black people are superior. Um, but that's not something that we're taught in schools by any means. Um, and it's not something we'll ever be taught, but it is something that um, your parents teach you. It's something that you learn from your great parents. You learn from learning about your ancestors. That's good to know. And our American middle schools are doing what they can to prepare our students for higher education. Based on the circumstances here, the attacks were racially provoked. Broward County authorities arresting and charging five Lions Creek Middle School students for attacking and targeting four other students in what they call a racially provoked attack. It all happening outside the North Recreation Complex in Coconut Creek Wednesday morning. The student victims told police they were approached by a group of kids yelling, you are white. They were then tackled and beaten up as the group of attacking kids yelled, it's opposite day and brown power. The victim students claim they were beaten with sticks and cable cords as well as hit and kicked. He got out of the car. I think he heard some noises and some kids started saying, we're going to get revenge on you for what you did in the past. And he got jumped. The father of one of the students attacked says what happened is inexcusable. And what you learn in grade school will carry on through the rest of your life. It's just that sinking feeling to where it's just, well, there's nothing I can do now. The video clearly shows four guys walking up to Mason and attacking. He never lets go of his groceries as they take turns kicking and punching him on the ground, including in the face. The last to leave leans down to talk to him, then gives him one last punch. Mason didn't realize that it wasn't over. There was a fifth guy. He comes up to me, kicks me in the face, and screams, Black Lives Matter. He came home. His face was all bloody, and he was holding his bags. Um, I just remember feeling instant panic. Still held on to his groceries. Apparently, the Jesse Smollett story was more believable than I thought. But this one was a real hate crime, and it's hardly the only one. But hate crimes are not usually that easy to identify. There are interracial crimes. That doesn't mean that all interracial crimes are racially motivated. Take this one where a 60-year-old white man gets attacked while walking down an aisle at a Kroger supermarket. Nothing, he's just man, getting off of work, man. Yeah, just for what? That's crazy. I mean, it's 67 years old, bro. Like, come on, man. Was that racially motivated? Maybe. Or how about this one? An elderly white man at Venice Beach was hospitalized after he was randomly attacked by a black man. Is black supremacy the cause of that? I don't know. But if it is, then like all racial supremacy groups, the hatred and hostility is not directed to only one race, but to all races that are contrary. And we have seen an uptick of attacks against Asians, which spurred on the Stop Asian Hate movement. But as an article from the Washington Examiner explains, a lot of that is attributable to black-on-Asian crime. Quote, the frequency and brutality of anti-Asian violence have made Stop Asian Hate a popular hashtag and protest slogan this year. Still, America has yet to grapple with a core part of the problem, black-on-Asian crime and racism. Two of the latest possible hate crimes took place in New York City. On Tuesday, a female black suspect struck a 31-year-old Chinese woman in the head with a hammer in Midtown Manhattan. 
Two Fridays ago in East Harlem, a black man viciously attacked 61-year-old Yao Pan Mao as he was collecting used cans and bottles. As Ma fell to the ground, the attacker stomped on his head multiple times. There was also the horrific example of Tamel Esco, who punched a 67-year-old woman 125 times, because 126 times would have been overkill. But these are just anecdotes, and we could trade anecdotes all day. For every Charlottesville, there's a Waukesha. For every Dylan Roof, there's a Frank James that we've seen recently. So forget anecdote, what about the actual data? Well, overwhelmingly, most violent crime and murder is intraracial, not interracial. Overwhelmingly, black people kill black people, and white people kill white people, and so forth. But let's take a look at the FBI statistics. In 2019, which is the latest data available from the FBI, more white people were killed by black people than black people were killed by white people, both in terms of raw numbers and in terms of overall percentage. In 2019, 566 white people were murdered by black people, 246 black people were murdered by white people. Out of all white homicides, around 17.1% were perpetrated by black people. Out of all black homicides, around 8.4% were perpetrated by whites. And those statistics are pretty close year by year. In 2018, it was 15.5% to 8%. In 2017, it was 16.2% to 8.9%. And you'll see the same sort of trends when it comes to the broader category of violent crime in the DOJ and the Bureau of Justice Statistics. The fact of the matter is, more white people are killed by black people than black people are killed by white people in modern America pretty much every year. I think what annoys me most about white people is when they pretend like they're the victim. <laughs> What's also annoying is when they, you know, when they kill us. Now, of course, there are white supremacists, and there are black supremacists, and there are Asian races too. I grew up in Japan, believe me, I met some of them. Racism is not a uniquely white problem, it's a human problem, and whiteness is not an ideology or a stand-in for evil. Evil is a human condition. And we'll never cure that this side of heaven. But we can get better or worse. And the danger that I see in our culture is that there is an increasing permissibility of a certain kind of racism where the condescension, open hostility, and frankly, blatant racism are not relegated to the deep recesses of a Reddit feed or the message boards of 4chan. It's being spewed by the highest levels of academia and broadcasted on Showtime with no sense of shame. Whatever noble intention there might be in eradicating white supremacy, you can't push out darkness with darkness. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. I heard that somewhere. But it's a Christian concept of overcoming evil with good. And the end of all racial supremacy is an embrace of Christ's supremacy. Well, that'll do for today. We'll probably look at this a little bit more, how the media plays into it and how we can help combat it personally and socially. If you like what we're doing here, as usual, like, subscribe, rate, and review. And I'll see you next week for more Appropriate in the Culture. Thanks for listening. If you want to know more about the ministries and mission of Tulare Community Church, visit us at tccalive.org.